You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisentraff on WCPT 820. Okay, we are back, and you know, it's um, uh, 3 o'clock in Chicago, which means in a half hour, I'll be taking your calls at 773-763-9278. But before that, uh, I'm joined again, um, and... (laughs) Lucky to be joined again by the award-winning managing editor of Cardinal and Pine in North Carolina, Billy Ball. He's uh, he's covered you know, state, local, national politics. He's covered government. He's covered education. He's covered criminal justice. You name it, he's covered it. Except maybe sports, I think. But I got to ask him that anyway. Billy, welcome back. Hi, Edwin. Hope you're doing well. I am. Have you covered sports in this long list of things that you've covered? I am. I'm trying to remember if I I might have pinch pinch hit, and I'm sorry I'm using a baseball metaphor there to answer that, but I definitely have pinch hit before at a a local paper some years ago, but no, it was... Never my uh, never my my coverage area. I would have been lucky okay. to cover it more. I don't know. I, I I think these days covering politics has a lot of the elements of covering sports, except that it's m- mighty important. So absolutely, hey, uh, absolutely. I, I, so t- I think today, right today, a twelve week abortion ban uh, took effect in North Carolina. Am I right about that? You're absolutely right. It went into effect today. There was a a sort of last-minute judge's ruling yesterday that cleared all but um, all but one provision dealing with um, dealing with uh, potential charges for doctors for portions or provided performance after the 12th week. But but yeah, you are absolutely. Hey Billy, I, I'm this losing morning. you. I'm losing you a little bit. Um, okay, uh, let, let me see if I can. Uh, let me see. Can you hear me? Okay, right now. Perfect. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, so the abortion ban went into effect. It's um, you know, it's a pretty big, significant moment. This was kind of pitched as sort of a, a moderate abortion ban because because it's a twelve week ban. Although there's no there's no kind of abortion ban that 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 we've seen medical providers say is a moderate or reasonable thing to do um, as far as women's health goes. So so you know it, it, that's how it's being shaped in the the narrative by the Republican leadership here in North Carolina. But it's a big deal, and it's probably as many people have pointed out numerous times. It's just a first step. Um, I would not be shocked if after the election next year, Republicans start finding reasons here for a, a 10 week or an eight week. Um, this is usually how they roll things out here. They, they take one, one little step in and then they, and then they, they keep roll, going down that road. Well, see, but it's, you know, I mean, these aren't just stories. They impact people's lives and health in real ways. And I, I mean, I think we've seen in the year since uh, Roe was overturned that, you know, people's lives have been compromised in terrible ways um, by this sort of public health disaster created um, uh, by these bans. So I, I, I you know... 
I, the Republicans just, I, they must really keep their eyes closed to reality. But when people uh, uh, sh- show up with enormous health complications or, God forbid, die because of the laws they've passed, I mean, um, the public is, you know, sort of not on their side here. And I don't think they're going to change their mind about this. No, I, I think it's a, you, you raise some really good points, and I, I think one of the things that's, that's, that's kind of difficult to understand here, at least for me, for, for someone who's been covering politics, is that it is such an unpop, abortion bans are such an unpopular idea. Um, and, you know, by no means is North Carolina the most liberal state on reproductive freedom, but, but you know, the majority of Americans didn't want, or North Carolinians, I should say, did not want the leadership of the legislature to go and start messing around with the abortion laws. Um, you know, I think that they have some protection here in North Carolina that is a little unique um, compared to compared to other states where we've seen a real blowback against the Republicans who've passed these abortion laws. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, in that we are one of the most gerrymandered states in the nation, or, or you know, we were, and we're about to be again, because, you know, there was a court-ordered um, change in our, our, our voting lines, uh, in our congressional district lines in this last election, um, but we've had a change on our, the long story short, we've had a change on our state Supreme Court, so now the state Supreme Court is run by Republicans, and they've made it clear that they're okay with gerrymandering, so yep. it means that... For us, we anticipate another another round of gerrymandering, and I think that that's important for those Republicans who are writing these laws, is that they think that there's going to be some protection for them um, into to rewriting it. But, you know, I think it's a very unpredictable thing, because it, it, this is the first time in, in modern era America that we've started taking rights from people. So, well, so yeah, how do you know how the voters do that? Right. And that was the first time. That was a year ago. And it wasn't the last time because this current Supreme Court session kept it up. Absolutely. I I kept saying this week, I think that we it felt as if we had a breaking news, a national breaking news story related to North Carolina just about every day between the the affirmative action ruling, which was directly connected to UNC. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's it's just a big deal. And then, of course, the, the student debt ruling uh, yesterday on Friday, that's that's a big deal. We're in the somewhere in the top 10 of the states with the most student average highest student debt per person. So it's a big deal for us as it is in many states. And it just felt like, man, the Supreme Court is, uh, they've got their money's worth this week, I think. Yeah. Let's talk about the student debt. Um, Because, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy, he just crowed. He said, it's a victory for all those who don't go to college, who shouldn't have to pay for those kids who did. Right. And, and, um, Joe Biden, to his credit, got up and said, okay, you know what, that's a small program, but the PPP loan forgiveness that members of Congress took, you know, that was a bigger program, and y'all took that money, right? Um, But there's another issue, too, and it goes goes directly to your state. I mean, regular people are paying uh, school vouchers now, and I think the voucher program... Republicans in your state trying to make it even bigger so that um, 
you know, regular people can pay for rich families to send their kids to private schools. What's that about? That's, very, that's a very accurate description of what, what they're doing. You know, when I mentioned earlier how Republicans here have a tendency with their most controversial ideas to, to gradually roll them out. They don't just drop the finished product. They, and that's the same thing with this voucher program. They gradually rolled it out. There were income requirements where you had to be a low-income family to qualify for these private school vouchers. Now the new legislation is they're dropping all the income requirements. So anybody can go in there. Uh, I don't care if you're the wealthiest person in North Carolina. You could go uh, get some private school vouchers to a, to a private school. That, and this is something education advocates have been saying for, for some time. Here in North Carolina, the, the, the lion's share of private schools are religious schools. And some of them are... Um, they are known to maintain openly discriminatory rules in their admissions. Um, you know, you're not allowed to, you know, there were schools that had anti-gay rules. Um, there were, um, and also that's not even getting into the accountability piece. It's, um, you know, the school, the North Carolina has not asked a lot in terms of accountability from their private schools. And, and it's really kind of a crapshoot sometimes with the private school, whether you're going to get a, an education that's, that's stellar or whether you're going to get one that is, you know, should be beneath the notice of most people and, and, um, or beneath the standards of most people. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, you kind of got Edwin into the, the thing that a lot of folks are saying about the hypocrisy of, 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 of the student debt decision. You know, I think, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to political priorities and, and, Folks up in D.C., at least in the uh, Republican caucus, their their priorities are certainly supportive. Of, you know, when you talk about a, a federal government giveaway, we've certainly bailed out the banks. We've 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 spent money bailing out auto industries. We we make legislators make choices all the time about what kind of giveaways they are okay with, and and not to mention the kind of tax breaks that they've given to some of the wealthiest Americans and corporations. That's a, that's also asking Americans to to give something to to someone else. So they are they are saying while they are okay with all those things I just mentioned that they are not that that the Republicans are not okay with using their power to make life easier for these 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 many many Americans who are loaded down with student debt that is you know there's an irrational component to this too and that it's dragging down the American economy in ways uh, yeah. you know whole a whole chunk of people who can't afford to to contribute like they thought they would yep can't buy a house can't start a family yeah it's terrible and 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 to go back to the vouchers, sort of the other side of this coin, while you're spending all this money to, like, you know, you have a wealthy family, their kids already in private parochial school. Now, if this law passes, they'll get taxpayer money for that. And yet, I think you guys, didn't you just end a 30-year case to try and deal with um, uh, funding disparities in education in the state? And, and didn't the courts just throw up their hands and say, yeah, you know, maybe we'll do it in another 30 years? You know, the um, 
the thing about that case that you're talking about, the Leandro case, it's yep. it's kind of a never-ending, it, it's a never-ending case here in North Carolina. That's a case that was filed in the 90s, um, and it's relating directly to, to kids um, in, in some of the poorest rural districts. Those are also districts that tend to be uh, mostly children of color. So the... Um, so the problem is that those districts have not, because the state hasn't put enough money into it, um, the uh, the local governments have not been able to sort of fill those holes of the state government not funding the schools correctly. Like wealthier counties can do it. The poorer county out here just doesn't have the money. They don't have the tax base to do it. So what's happening is um, essentially, um, you know, those schools have been asking for, for the state to even that out for many years. Uh, those those rural districts there they happen to be precisely where I'm from I grew up in those schools and they were you know we were we went to poorly funded uh, and according to the definition of academic standards low performing schools that's what we, we had that on our backs all the time oh you came from a low performing school um, you know and that's kind of a part of um, just a real part of uh, North Carolina that um, that that lingers and the courts have been back and forth on on, on funding schools at an adequate level um, for years. And, and for a minute there, it looked like the courts were finally going to make the state pay and say, you need to put, you know, millions and millions of dollars in here to make this fair. And they, um, and then, as I mentioned before, the Republicans took over the state Supreme Court and they said, no, 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 you don't, you don't have to. So yeah. it's, it's been just a never, never ending thing. They, they filed that lawsuit when I was, I think, 12 years old. I'm, wow. I'm a 40 year old, I'm a 40 year old man sitting here now and, and we're still talking about it. I mean, Billy, the, the, it really, in fairness, the legislature should do its job, right? I mean, it, it's always a long shot taking this through courts, um, but the legislature should do its job. But you have one of the biggest funding disparities in the country. And instead of fixing it, it sounds like what you're going to do is say, yeah, you know what? We're going to just say we can have a bigger funding disparity because we're going to have less money for public schools because we're going to give the money to people to go to private schools. And and I assume there aren't really private schools in some of these communities, right? This is really not going to help them at all. No, it's that's a good point. Uh, there are more private schools than there used to be, and there certainly aren't many private schools that are of a of a great academic standard because as I mentioned before, they're not being held to the same standard as public schools. Um, yeah. They can they can get away with being pretty darn terrible and not and and having different rules and and they can they can get away with a lot of stuff that public schools can't get away with. And also, we can't even you know there, there's not as much transparency about how they're performing. And so it's um, you know there's just a lot of reasons why it's an issue. But the but you're right. Those communities we're talking about, they don't have the school choice options that are in other counties. And for Republicans, the answer to them, it's very clear, is school choice. So so that's why they, you know, if you're sitting here and you're saying it doesn't make any sense for you to defund or, or to poorly fund your uh, public schools, that's your next generation. That's th- Those are your employees of your state. Um, you know, it's completely irrational um, to them. 
it makes sense because it's all part of a plan to to privatize to make this a more private um, system and and to and to really expand the the school choice options which they have done they have they have done this pretty steadily for for you know, since they took over the legislature back in those those uh, those 2010 med- midterms that were so dreadful for Democrats all over the country, all over the country, um, yeah. And and that was the one that was when the Republicans took hold here, and they haven't let go. And, and so ideas like this have, have lingered, and they've just expanded them. Well, in other states, it's led to indictment and trouble because of enormous corruption around how these voucher programs work. I, I have no confidence that you're going to escape that horrid fate. Um, let's talk about something else. I had on the uh, on this show a couple weeks ago the new um, and very energetic head of the Democratic Party in your state. Um, and I'd just like to get your sense of how she's doing, and if that, if that you see any uh, renewed energy in organizing, if you see it in communities that hadn't uh, had any activity before, what's that look like? I think that you know Anderson Clayton, the new uh, Democratic Party leader, as you mentioned before, um, yep. she certainly has brought a, a breath of fresh air into this. Um, I would say it's probably way too soon to say how she's doing. I think the real the real measure of things is going to be um, how how Democrats perform in in the up in elections next year, um, and and that's going to be the real test. I will say that we're hearing that they're doing quite well with their fundraising. That there's energy that is that is coming out of particularly the rural counties, which is that's the game here in North Carolina because we have the urban centers that are run by Democrats. But most of the state is rural, and, and it leans yep. pretty hard to the right. So, so the the Democrats have really struggled in those areas, and in some cases, it, it's hard to even see if they've tried. You know, you, you you might see a district where you don't even see a Democrat running, um, and and so I think that's going to be the real test is whether you see that energy carry over. Um, I think Democrats have reason to be hopeful. Um, you know, Anderson Clayton comes from from running a race in a, in a rural county that's precisely the kind of county that I'm talking about, in Person County. And, yep. um, and, and she led the, a campaign that, that put a Democrat in the, in the state legislature in this past election. And I think that... Um, you know, that was one of the very few bright spots Democrats had in this last election here in North Carolina. Democrats had a great year everywhere else, but in North Carolina, it just, you know, other than congressional races, which were a 7-7 split because of fairer district lines, you know, in the state legislature, they really underperformed um, based on how Democrats did in other states. And, and so, yep. uh, you know, she's got a She's got a tall order, and I, I think it is a state that is going to get increasingly more liberal in its population. That's who's moving into the state. But you know, if you can't if you can't figure out the gerrymandering issue, it, it feels sometimes like we're in kind of a circle. We're just in. Uh, I believe the Atlantic referred to it as a doom loop of democracy. I, I, I'm not so pessimistic as that, but but it is just kind of a, a constant cycle right now with the gerrymandering, and and so. Democrats need to win races they're not supposed to win. They need 
to show good efforts in in races they're not supposed to win. And not only that, in the statewide races, they need to pick up more votes in those rural areas than they have been getting. Um, and that's how you see North Carolina, as it did, North Carolina went for Barack Obama. Um, yep. And, and, you know, that's what, what happened was a, an energy, especially for the uh, folks of color in the state and the rural areas, that that energy has been kind of, it hasn't been there for the Democrats in North Carolina, and they, you could argue that they haven't taken nearly enough advantage of the fact that there are voters out there who are, are possibly sympathetic to their ideas, um, and, and it just hasn't resonated for whatever reason. They haven't gotten their message out there. It's kind of a culture war situation in the rural counties and less of a... Yeah. And less of a conversation about the economy and the ways that the Democrats might be able to do something for, for folks out there. So I guess, um, you know, I, I, I was impressed that she not only with her energy, but, she, you know, the people that she cited as potential sort of role models included uh, Lavora Barnes in Michigan and Ben Wickler in Wisconsin. And Michigan uh, uh, overcame its gerrymandering and has rocketed into a completely different place. Um, Wisconsin, I think the most gerrymandered state in the in the country, is they've gone from defense to offense, for sure, um, and won control of the state Supreme Court and may actually uh, litigate some of these districts in a different way. And it seems like North Carolina is starting, you know, where they were eight years ago. I mean, it's a big, long slog, but, but really great organizing um, makes a difference. And so I'm going to be following that a lot. I, I, I hope uh, the good people in your state can get organized. It can, it can we certainly are going to be following that, too. I think that's a really excellent comparison to Michigan and to Wisconsin. They are states that are comparable to us in a lot of ways. And, and so the a lot of rural. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of rural, and, and if Ms. Clayton has her eyes on, on those, the ways that they turn things around there, you're absolutely right. It, it could be a change in store for North Carolina. It's um, a fascinating state, I'll say that. Yep, yep, and a beautiful state. Wow. So, so what's oh, going yeah. on there to celebrate Fourth of July? Oh, we're we're really good at this here. We've got a lot, you know, especially if you get out to the coast. There's a lot of there's a lot of fireworks out there on the the coast, and I'll tell you, it it is nice. And I feel like there's an I'm sure you're feeling this up there in Illinois, but but an energy about getting to celebrate with other people because because I still remember the, the the pandemic years and and just not being able to to celebrate these things that we all really enjoy this time of year and. And so yep. I think there's a lot of energy. I just came from a swimming hole at the Little River in Bahama, North Carolina. And, nice. and, it's, wow. and a lot of people are out there. They're, they're energetic. They're cooking out. And, 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 you know, there's a lot to do. So I know I'm looking forward to it. My kids are. And speak, speaking of cooking out, like everybody, every state, they, we all do barbecue differently. You know, everybody's got their their recipes and their things like what does it look like when you go out and you're at a cookout 
act well. Uh, you know, to us, barbecue, you know, this is, uh, this is one of my favorite things to point out about North Carolina. Barbecue is only one thing. It is, it right. is pork that you, have, that, that you have cooked, and we'll always, like, we'll see people talking about grilling out burgers or hot dogs, and they'll talk about a barbecue, and we'll go, that's not barbecue. It's grilling out hot dogs and hamburgers. You know, so, so you know, there's, there's still a lot of hot dogs and hamburgers here, but I am very fond of, of I, I have put together in years past a pig picking and cooked a whole hog, and that's one of my favorite that's things something. to do. That, that's something. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a Eastern North Carolina tradition that we just love. There's some of that downstate Illinois, but not so much of it up here in Chicago where it's, you know, brats and, <laughs> and, and, and hot dogs and hamburgers and sometimes even chicken on hey. the barbecue. Ed, yeah. Edwin, Edwin I'll, I'll be up in Illinois in November to see a Bears-Panthers game. I'm gonna make, I'll make sure I'll bring you some barbecue, all right? <laughs> you know what? I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. All right, well, thank you for your time today, and um, I'm glad you got a chance to go to the swimming hole. Uh, you know, here the swimming hole is called Lake Michigan. It's a little bit bigger, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I've heard of that one. I've heard of that swimming yeah. hole. It's not a secret. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, have a happy fourth. Thank you. Happy fourth to you as well and to all your listeners. Thanks. Take care. All right, everybody, uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, 773-763-9278, I want to hear from you.